Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Sound of the Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shinoff. Welcome, as always, by the one and only Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we got UC Vegas 56 coming up. We got Cambosa singing on David Haney this weekend. We got some MMA news, boxing stuff to hit as well. Before all of that, as always, we're brought to you by Rogue Energy. If you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. It is hitting the summer. It is now June. If you're going, if you're going out and about, maybe you're, maybe you're going to the fucking gym or something. Maybe you're going out and doing something. Get some Rogue Energy, guys. Keeps you amped. Keeps you going throughout the day. I like to use it all the time. I want to go play disc golf and shit. So go ahead and get yourself something. RogueEnergy.com, code SOUNDOFF, 10% off. Amazing sponsor of the program, as always. Uh, no UFC to recap, no MMA to recap, really nothing. Uh, however, we do have a UFC card coming up this weekend. UC Vegas 56 from UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Heavyweights, Alexander Volkov taking on your Zeno Rosen strike. Not really a must win in terms of staying in the UC or anything that dramatic, but kind of a must win for two guys trying to remain in title trying to remain inside the top Top 10-ish area. Volkov's ranked number 7. Garzino is ranked number 8. Uh, Volkov coming off a defeat to Tom Aspinall in March. Garzino, on the other hand, has not fought since September, since September of last year, which was a unanimous decision lost to Curtis Blades, UTC 266. Uh, so, Angel, not really a whole lot of buzz going into this card, not a whole lot of buzz going into this main event. First off, how do you like the fight itself? And also, give me your thoughts on how it's going to go down. Uh I'm excited, man. I think this is kind of an underrated fight. Uh, Eugenia, you know, we know how he is. <laughs> we know what is it, Josh? Mythical creature, Eugenia, Eugenia strike. What is it? What is it called? It's like, yeah, my- mythical creature, last minute Rosa strike. Or even so, last yeah. second, really. Yeah, if you want to get to to those numbers. And then Volkov. I mean, man, uh, you kind of know what you're getting with it. You know, you know what you're getting with Volkov and. I love the guy, man. Uh, you know, Volkov is one of those guys I have a lot of respect for. I mean, even ever since we saw him here in Kansas, Josh, way back when on that DJ card, uh, I, 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 I don't know why, but I was, I was just interested by the guy. Maybe, maybe it's the whole Drago persona, right? That they, <laughs> they try to give him that I like. But uh, I think it's a good card. I mean, obviously both these guys are kind of ranked around it was at the respectively seven and eight, and. Uh, like you said, not necessarily a must win, but definitely one to say kind of in the mix for potentially getting to a title. Uh, it, you know, I think with Volkov and the whole like experiment with the weight, going back and forth, coming in a little bigger, coming in a little lighter, you know, you know, just trying to find out, you know, what he likes and, uh, you know, trying to see what he wants to do. I think that's really good for him. And even going, I mean, you could, I'll put it like this. One guy has been trying to make adjustments, get, you know, change his fight game a little bit, learn some things. The other guy, ever since entering the UFC, he's kind of stayed the same, Josh. We kind of know where we're going to get with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think it's just... Are, are we giving our predictions now? Yeah, go ahead. I think as far as this... I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick Volkov. You know, I'm always on the Volkov hype train, man. <laughs> you know, uh, 
I just think he's, and in general, I feel like he's one of the safest picks in this, like in the whole division. You, you know what he's gonna do. You know his kind of style. He's very durable. He's capable of finishing the fight on the feet. Uh, I think for me, like the only issue I have with him sometimes he doesn't have the output. And against a guy against Virginia, I think that could be an issue if he doesn't like put it on him early on and and try to just kind of like set himself as like the bully, you know, and, and establish himself. So. And it's not like Jorginho's ever like the super hardcore coming forward guy, but if you do let him, you know, you're giving him a lot of opportunity, you know, to get a to get a big knockout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. And I definitely think this is kind of a fight which is uh, not necessarily underrated, but not a lot of people are talking about it. I'm really looking forward to it, but man, I really don't see this going any other way uh, than Alexander Volkov winning. I think if you look at Jorginho, he's a powerful guy. But the biggest issue with him in his last few fights is kind of he's a bit more hesitant. I don't, I don't know what really caused it. Maybe it was the Ngannou fight. Maybe it was the Gon fight. I don't know really what it was, but he's been so much more hesitant as of late. Um, and going up as a guy who's like, I don't know, like six inches taller than you, that's going to cause a problem. Volkov is probably one of the greatest guys. You see a lot of, a lot of tall guys. Stefan Struve had this, for example. They're not, they know how to use their reach, but they really don't, you know what I mean? Like, they kind of struggle with that sort of thing. Being kind of the, the taller guy, sometimes it works for advantage, sometimes it doesn't. Volkov makes full use of the fact that he's the base motherfucker in that division. Like, he he uses his reach, he uses his kicks to the body, he's probably to that sort of thing. Um, look, man, I think it's a Volkov, a rebound fight for him, honestly. I think I was really disappointed with his last performance against Tom Aspinall, um, Maybe it was because I didn't expect Tom to just go out there. Maybe I maybe I was sleeping on him too much, but I definitely did not expect him to run through him in the way that he did. I'm going to go ahead and pick Volkov here. I think he's probably looking for a nice rebound win. And Jorginho, uh, man, it's just a tough matchup. I'm not saying he can't win this one, but he, he's going to have his work cut out for him is, is what I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, both these guys kind of need a win to kind of remain in title contention, and I do think it's going to be Volkov who gets the dub. But... Look, man, this this card has uh, some other fights on, some really nice fights. We're going to move one on down to the co-main event. Danny Gay taking on Mosvar Ilovev. Uh, man, Danny Gay, I don't say he needs to win badly, but he is coming off of two losses in a row, three losses in his last four contests. Taking on an undefeated monster from Russia, 15-0, coming off a win over Hakim Dawadu. He's mauled pretty much everybody's face in the UFC, you know, with the exception of, like, Nick Lentz. That was a split decision, which I thought... Honestly, probably should have just been unanimous. But regardless, uh, dude, give me your thoughts on this co-main event. Um, I like this one a lot. I feel like it's another fight that's kind of flying under the radar. So give me give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. A uh, good fight. Tough one for Danny Ige. Uh, I think as far as for Danny Ige, though, uh, tough few fights recently, man. Uh, hasn't been looking to, uh, well, with the exception of his last fight against Josh Emmett, I, I believe, right? Yeah, Josh Emmett. Not not a not a bad loss, but uh, definitely some hard fights. Been been getting get, uh, you know getting lit up a fair bit. Uh, so hopefully you know we can see. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe he can have a different look this fight. Uh, I'm not sure if he will though. Uh, I think he has a tough uh, Russian who I know in his UFC tenure. I don't think he's had a single finish. If I'm looking at it right, yeah, not a single finish since entering the UFC. Uh, which is crazy because before that, you know, before entering the UFC and he was fighting an M1, he had gotten multiple finishes. And uh, he comes from that Tiger Muay Thai gym, or at least he trains out of there sometimes. So it's kind of weird that it, <laughs> with a guy with that kind of fighting style, we haven't seen uh, more finishes out of him in the UFC. So hopefully uh, 
we can get a different look this time around with him and uh, do something interesting with him. But I don't know. I think Danny Ige is too tough of a guy to finish. I don't know if he can. If he can get him out of there, I think that'll be a hell of a statement in his division. Maybe give him a big, maybe a, a bigger name in the division in his, or another big name in the division after this fight. Uh, but I think of, I think uh, Musavar has, has got a, got this one in the bag this time around, Josh. Uh, I think he'll uh, cement himself in this division and establish himself pretty well. Yeah, same page. I don't want to necessarily say he has it in the bag per se, uh, but I definitely do think it's a rough match for Danny Gay, man. I really do. Um, partially because I'm super high on Musafar. Uh, this kid's 28 years old. He's undefeated, former M1 global champion. And Danny kind of feels like they're feeding him, man. I kind of feel like they're kind of feeding him here. Coming off of back-to-back losses, three losses in his last four fights, and uh, taking him to undefeated monster in the coming. Like I said, I just think it's a rough matchup for him. And I don't, if he could finish him, that'd be a huge statement. I don't think he will. I think it's going to be a decision win, but I think it's going to be a lopsided one. So yeah. I think Danny has his third loss in a row in the co-main event. And as far as he gets moved into that top 10, and we'll see what happens with him. He's a guy that, uh, I mean, at, at featherweight, everybody can kind of talk about like, there's a lack of options for Alexander Volkanovsky and him and Max Holloway are so ahead of the division. I don't know, man. I don't. I'm, maybe he's not there yet, but this kid has a lot of potential, man. So let's let's not sleep on it. But no finishes in the UFC though yet, Josh. We need one. I don't think he's gonna, like you said, and I said it in my statement. I don't think he's gonna finish Ige, but I definitely, uh, I, you know, if he could get one here soon, I think it'd be kind of nice because he was one of those guys that before coming to UFC, he was, he was getting finishes, he was getting head kicks, you know, he was he was doing all that, but he hasn't gotten one. So I mean, and obviously, competition's gotten better. He's also faced all generally pretty fucking good guys. Sung Wu Choi, Enrique Barzola, Mike Grundy, Nick Lentz, and Akeem Davidu. Yeah, those are all tough motherfuckers. Not to say, you know, he and look, he could not none of those guys are unfinishable either, you know? But <laughs> Yeah. Fair enough. No, but, but you know, he's you know, he he's looking for it. Yeah, true. And if he can get it here, it'd be huge. I don't necessarily think he will. Danny Gay is a pretty pretty durable guy. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens there, man. Honestly, like I said, these top two fights are kind of, I don't want to say, like, being slept on, but they're kind of like setup fights. You kind of see what the UC is kind of doing here, man. Like, <laughs> great. So I don't think they necessarily care about Volkov as much as they do Ilovev, but um, that kid has a lot of potential. But, anyways, as far as the rest of the card goes, can we? I mean, you went ahead and said in the green room that uh, – you know, you overall like this card more than, you know, speaking it like as a whole than some fights on UC 275, which is next week. But go ahead and tell me which fights you're looking forward to the most on this fight night. Oh, Josh, we talked about it uh, last week, Josh. Uh, Alonzo Medifield versus Askar Mazurov, uh, the Ukrainian, 21 and 11. Uh, according to this, okay. I didn't know that. But, uh,. Dude, this guy looks like a fucking killer, Josh. We were talking about this probably what two weeks ago when I when I saw him when I was looking at his record. This guy, uh, this guy looks like a fucking savage, dude. Um, mm-hmm. Done some bare knuckle boxing. I saw he has some pictures out there with Shemaev. I saw some of his uh, highlights. A lot of finishes. Big time hitter. He's a heavy hitter. <laughs> heavy hitter, Josh. Uh, record maybe looking at it on paper isn't the nicest looking, but well, he just r- real quickly. I hate to cut you off, but. A lot of the reason why his record doesn't look that good is, uh, Angel, I'm not sure if you, if you heard this, but apparently a lot of his fights, they updated his uh, tapology recently. 
And really? they updated him at Sherdog. And a lot of those fights were reversed to losses. So do with that information what you will. But hey, uh, hey, man, those were early on. Those were early on. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't know, you know. Holy shit! So this is actually this is coming. From, I hate to cut you off again. So I looked it up right now, and my boy Alzulino, Al, man, I don't want to pronounce his name wrong. Alzulino, uh, great, great Italian guy. Go follow him on Twitter. But anyways, uh-huh. um, apparently there was he changed his name in order to erase a bunch of early losses from his record. Oh shit. Yeah, apparently he did some investigation. And someone uh, went back. On Sherdog. Apparently he changed his name. And he's had... That's why there's a lot more losses on his record. Because I remember we looked at his record like last week or something, and it was a lot better. And now today, it's like 21 and 11. I mean, so it doesn't look bad when you look, when you look on the... Like, if you look at from, like... 2017 and on, it's still not bad. No, no, he's definitely approved, but that's that's wild, man. Yeah, like I'm I'm looking at, it, and he was fighting, and I don't know if you see this, Josh, but like I went back and he's fought he fought as uh, low as 170, and now he's a 205, but he's also fought as high as a as a heavyweight. Damn. Yeah. So that's another thing. He had a lot of weight changes uh, throughout his career uh, until recently, where it seems like he kind of established himself as a 205er. Yeah. And then uh, a bare knuckle, a bare knuckle one-off uh, heavyweight fight. And he fought in Dada 5000's BYB Extreme Series. Oh, that that that's the one. That's Dada 5000's promotion, yeah. Oh my goodness, Carrie Tenov was in that. What the fuck? Yeah, Versus they, they do pretty good out there. They do pretty good out there in Florida. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I still, I still saw, the, I still saw the highlights. Josh, the guy still looks like a fucking killer, regardless. I, I, I think he's probably improved a lot since then. He comes out of that AKA Thailand gym, which, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, we don't want to speak bad about any gym, but I've heard some shit recently, you know? Mm. That's yeah, all man, I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, man, regardless of his record and all the controversy there, this kid has a lot of talent. Um,. And I feel I feel bad now for kind of it may have sounded like I was shitting on him. I wasn't trying to shit on the kid. Um, he has a lot of talent. We watched his highlights before. This kid's 27 years young, um, fighting out of Ukraine. Has a lot of punching power, a very fun style. He's sitting on Alonzo Metafield in the opener, and you can kind of tell. If you see, most people tend to think like the best spot to be is the main event or the co-main event. And I've heard that argued by a lot of different people. I actually heard other people have a different point of view, and I agree with it. The best place to be is the, is probably either the main event or the opener, because you're gonna fire up that fucking crowd. In this case, it's the apex, so there's no so there's no real crowd there. I mean, they they kind of they've added some seating, but you know what I mean. And they they know the UC does that shit strategically. Well, the first fight on the main card is always a banger. So and guess what's first fight on the main card? This one, Menafield versus Mazarov. So that's a banger, dude. They they know for a fact that fight, those two dudes are coming to bang. And it's also one where, like, Alonzo Menafield, I like the kid a lot. I say kid, he's, like, 35. But um, I don't know, man. They're, they're both going to come to bang this one. So, yeah, that might be my, my most anticipated fight in the card, straight up. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, you went ahead and said it in the green room, this, this card's very underrated. Um, I, I agree. Michael Trezano is coming back, and this is a guy that um, – I still don't know how good he is because he won the Ultimate Fighter back like 
honestly, like four or five years ago at this point. But he's so inactive, you don't ever see him. He beat Luis Pena, he beat Ludolf Klein. Two losses are Hakeem Dabdu and Grand Dawson. He's going to be fighting on the main card. Poliana Botello is going to be back. And then our boy Zaruk Adeshev Angel, our boy, <laughs> taking on Ode Osborne. And that's actually a really, really good fight. That's a really, really good fight. So I'm very excited for that one. Um, Felice Herring taking on Carolina Kokovich. Man, <laughs> that's a name I haven't heard of forever. I know. And I, you know, I thought she was going to retire after her last fight. Um, she's mean? lost five in a row. Oof. And it's very, very rare where they let somebody continue fighting after even like three losses. But she's going to continue fighting through five. So. Well, Josh, this is. Uh, whoever loses this, I'm imagining he's getting cut. So at least Herring's on a three losing streak as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd assume so. Um, man, I like Carolina a lot, but I really feel like those, those that war with Joanna and then just the Andrade kind of knockout really kind of ended her her kind of career as like she has some fights in between. Now, this is actually a rematch because they fought back at UC 223. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I like her a lot, but she's definitely you forget how old she is. She's 36. And she's been through a lot of shit. That fight with Yang Jiaonan where she, like, I'm pretty sure she, like, broke her orbital. And, like, she was, like, shit blind for a bit. Like, she went through some shit, dude. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy she's happy, but definitely, I, God, really kind of, kind of question this, this fight here. But, yeah, man, Felice Herring's still good. I think Felice Herring just had <laughs> some rough matchups. I mean, Vernon Jane is role with Michelle Watson and Carolina Kokovich. And she hasn't been very active. Um, she tore ACL at one point, so. You know, we'll see what happens there. It's been a rough, I mean, rough patch. Yeah, for both of them. For both you, of them. For you sure. know, Josh, I know this is a random memory, but I'll never forget uh, when Carolina was in the fight you won. I'll never forget the battle of the last names. You trying to pronounce both those names at the same time. It was a struggle. But now I'm good at it. Joanna Yonjacek and Carolina Kukovich. It's pretty easy once you get used to it. Well, at the time, also, we didn't have the podcast either, but I only could have imagined back then because you were even struggling just trying to say it to me at the time. In my defense, I was was I fifteen. When did that card happen? Twenty sixteen. Uh, I would have been like fifteen, somewhere around that time. I was very dumb. I couldn't, dude. I could barely speak English back then. So it was twenty sixteen. So you had to probably fifteen at the time. Yeah, I could barely speak English at that time. So I don't know if that. I mean, you're asking me to speak Polish last names now. I mean, fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? That now it's uh, real hard. Yeah, and by the way, that fight was a banger. It's an underrated, underrated banger. You know, Kolkovich and Yunjaychek. Uh, because at that time, Joanna was, like, unstoppable, dude. And Carolina rocked her. She had some success. But anyways, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I I hope she gets a win. I, I've always had a solid spot for Carolina. She's she's one of the nicest people in, in MMA, straight up. So I really hope she can pull something off here. Um, yeah, as far as the rest of the card goes, you know, Alex De Silva is back. You know, I know that's your boy. Alex De Silva Stan. Number one Alex Silva Stan right here, my guy. You're probably the only one. Yeah, he's back for the first time since September There should be more, dude. There should be more. For your, you know what? For your sake, I'm also now an Alex De Silva fan. Uh, he's taking on Joe Selecki. That's going to be a banger of a fight, man. Joe Selecki's got a lot of talent, too. Kid out of Jersey. Really, really fun guy. So that's going to be a fun fight on the prelims. I saw um, Vegas DB, dude. I'll never forget on that. Uh... He, it was against Alexander Yakovlev, and the only reason I remember that fight very clear is because, uh, oh my god, who got knocked the fuck out of that fight? <laughs> now I'm thinking of a different card. I'm thinking about the card where, uh, oh my goodness, what's his name? Light heavyweight got knocked out. Out of Eng- was it, he's an English guy, I believe. Uh, he started fighting later in his career. Jimmy Manuel. 
Jimmy Manawa. It was a different card. That was also in Russia. This was the Overeem versus Olenek card. Ah, okay. This, this is when the head started getting in it. But yeah, for some reason, I always remember. I remember this card very, like, vividly in my head. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, man. I, I as far and this card is like really deep, dude. I, I gotta give you credit. I mean, I didn't really kind of look at it, but now I gave I'm you a different perspective, it. didn't I? Yeah, and I forgot Jeff Molina's back, dude. Jeff Molina is a bad motherfucker, man, and he's gonna be back. Uh, Missouri's own Jeff Molina, great guy, fighting out of glory, digging on Zalgaz Zivorov, which is the dude has two wives. How could you not love that? Um, yeah, he has two wives. That's Molly. In, in six children. The kids. So, dude's balling out right now. Uh, but, yeah, he's <laughs> he's a pretty fun guy. He did get knocked up a Manel Cape last time, though. So, we'll see what happens there. Um, and then opening up the card, man. Gotta say it. I, I said it whenever, you know, when you were talking about, like, potential future prospects and great people. Aaron Blanchfield, I'm going to say it now. You can quote me on this. You can attach my name to it. I don't give a fuck. Aaron Blanchfield will be a future UFC champion. Don't even care. Don't care. I'm going to say it. She's 23 years young. She just turned 23, like, two weeks ago. Like, she is so talented. She's taking on J.J. Aldrich. I like J.J. Aldrich a lot. She's actually, like, a pretty – she's a pretty cool story. She's pretty talented. And she's been in a lot of fun fights. She's been in the UFC longer than you'd think, dude, since 2016. She's a six-year UC veteran, which is kind of weird because you don't really think about her being one of those, like, long-tenured people, but she is. Uh, and she's similar. She came to UC when she was super young. She's only 29 now, so she was around, you know, Blanchfield's age when she got in the UC. Regardless, this is a, this is a easy dub for her, and that she's opening up the card. Very excited to see this one. So, yeah, man, I think we went and hit all the key fights that I personally want to talk about. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Man, I, I, I gotta highlight a few more, Josh. Maybe, yeah, go uh, ahead, go ahead. Damon Jackson, Daniel Argetta, man. Daniel Argetta stepping in on short notice against Damon Jackson, dude. Uh, first of all, I gotta give a shout out to our boy Daniel Argetta. He was on that ultimate, uh, the last ultimate fighter season. He lost to our boy Ricky. Uh, in a good fight, I'd say, if I remember right. It, it's, it's been a while. I can't recall it until long. I'm sure he was a banger. Since that loss, three wins in a row for him outside of the, outside of the UFC and the LFA. Uh, Obviously, with him being in the LFA, easy signing for the UFC, right? Uh, and, and, you know, he got the call up. He's getting it. 145, though, against Damon Jackson. Uh, so not, not his weight class. Tough, tough guy. Uh, I mean, good luck to him. You know, a lot of respect for him trying to come in on short notice and fight at a weight class he doesn't fight at, uh, against the bigger man and, uh, you know, get a shot into the UFC, right? I mean, I'm sure they, they'll probably bring him back around anyways, because I don't think, I don't know, I don't, I, I think they give him another shot, alright? I, I mean, I guess it would be how, depending on his performance, but I doubt Yeah, most likely him, depending on his performance. But I doubt to let him go that easily, especially if he's already, you know, he was in the tough house, he's fighting for them on short notice, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's giving them a hand, so. He was one of the, he's one of the other guys on that season who I thought had a lot of potential, like, and I think I said it on the show too, Josh, uh, there was a lot of guys during that season who I think could have been in the UFC, who could be in the UFC anyways, you know, afterwards. Um, yeah. A debut I've been waiting forever, Josh. Renat, I'm not going to try to pronounce this down. Renat Frock, I'm going to try it. Renat Frock Uh the Russian Josh. This guy got signed way back, uh, not way back, but back in 2021. He fought Eric Splicey on UE Warriors, Josh. This guy, after that fight, 
was 20-2. and two. He had never fought for any super big promotion. No Bellator, no PFL, no uh, Absolute Combat, you know, like none of those. Yeah. Uh, you know, no KSW, none of that out there. Multiple finishes. Guy's 30 years old. Guy's a middleweight. Dude, this guy looks like a fucking killer, Josh. I've been waiting since 2021 for this debut. Over a year now. And I finally get it. I, I thought it was going to happen at some point during that year. It didn't end up happening. Now we're here. 2022. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're going to hit them all pretty well, man. Um, yeah, dude's got a lot of potential. But anyways, man. Um, yeah, that's all we got for UFC this week. And uh, I say that's all we got. We spent like 25 minutes running down that fight night card, which... Generally speaking, whenever it takes us that long to run down a run down a card, you know that shit's probably a banger, and this card's a banger. So, very excited for this one. Uh, like I said, going down Saturday from the UC Apex. So, there we go. Um, and we do we do got some other box. You know, it's very rare that we have. Um, we always talk about MMA, and we'll have a recap and a preview. Maybe even two recaps and two previews in a given week. Boxing out numbers that this week. We have some, a recap and a pick and a preview to go over. We're gonna go and hit. And start off with last Saturday night uh, from the Barclays Center in New York, Gervonta Davis taking on Rolly Romero. You know what, dude? We said it going in that Rolly Romero talks a lot. He's a he's a really funny guy, mostly unintentionally it seems like, uh, yeah. and he has punching power. But uh, and I really, I mean, I'll say it. I think he outperformed people's expectations in the end, though. He still loses. Be a six-round brutal TKO. Javante steps in with a counter left hook, puts him not to sleep, but he had no clue where he was. Give me your thoughts on Javante Davis' performance and what do you think is next for him. Uh, dude, uh, exceptional as always. It's a beautiful finish, and uh, I believe Josh. He didn't even have. To, uh, he didn't even throw a lot in that uh, in that match, if I remember right. He was just kind of uh, looking for a shot the whole time. I think he was actually. Wasn't it very low numbers, if I remember right? Correct. It also reminded me a lot of uh, Floyd, honestly. He was very, like, low output, essentially just reading to the entire fight. Yeah, very. it was a very low output fight uh, match out of him, and he just, he was on the money, man, and landed, and it connected. It was beautiful uh, from the left, if I believe so, and it connected, and down he went into the ropes, man. The ropes kept him up, and uh, I mean, it's funny, Josh. I think, I believe Ronald Romero afterwards said, uh, I've won every single round of that match. Uh, get him next time. Yeah, and hey, I don't think he won every round. I thought he was winning. I don't have, like, I didn't take a scorecard or anything. I thought he was winning maybe, like, four rounds to two. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a blowout. Um, it's such a Raleigh thing, though, to be like, yeah, man, I want my rematch after, like, getting, like, viciously finished. Like, I understand he was awake, but the lights were like the lights were on, but nobody was home, dog. Like it was that dude. Like he had no idea where he was. And if you know anything about Raleigh, like the fight got stopped and he didn't say shit. That's the only time I've ever seen Raleigh Romero not speak. So that's how you know it was a good stoppage. Uh, but anyways, man, dude, Javante Davis impressive as always. Now I don't think there's a whole lot to speak about this morning because it's kind of what people expected. Um, I think most of the fun part kind of comes now, but we already previewed like where he might go and you know. Um, Ryan said he wants to fight him in December because Ryan just had a fight announced he's going to be fighting, I believe, Javier Fortuna in July, I believe. So, yeah, man, he's already booked. But anyways, we'll see what happens there. But another just vicious knockout. 
Um, one of the greatest knockout artists in combat sports right now. So very excited to see what happens with him next. Um, anyways, as far as other stuff in the boxing world, I'm going to hit that recap. Not a whole lot to speak about there. But this fight this weekend, I am absolutely fucking psyched for. George Kimbosis Jr. taking on Devin Haney. Undisputed. It's a lightweight unification fight. A lot of people say there's too many champions in boxing. We're going to take one of them away this weekend. God willing, unless it's a draw. I think I just jinxed it. Anyways, uh, George Cambosos Jr., back for the first time since his upset of Tiafimo Lopez last November. Split decision win. Should have been unanimous. Clearly won, but regardless, that fight was a war, one of the greatest of the year. So you're taking on the undefeated Devin Haney. Devin Haney's been the WC lightweight champion for two years now, three years now. Coming off a couple wins, very impressive. Joseph Diaz, Jorge Linares, Yurkes Gamboa. And now it's time, man. He's finally taking that big step up. He's 23 years young. He's one of those young lines that we talked about in this lightweight division for so long. He finally has a chance to go for undisputed and to be that first guy from that kind of young pack that we talk about so much and so often to take the step and become a world, not even just world champion, but an undisputed world champion. Angel, give me your thoughts. Oh, man. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I think it's a banger, but I'm happy to see these guys kind of get themselves in the mix. We've been talking about him since, not necessarily him, but we've been talking about these young guys probably since we started the podcast, Josh, back in, what would it have been, 20, was it 2019, the year we started? Yeah, 2019. 2019. 2019, 2018, somewhere around that time, right? Wherever we first started. And, uh, I mean, they're still here, they're, and it's, uh, it's taking a little bit, but hey, man, they were on their come up, and, uh, just like them, we were on our come up as well. We're still and we're still coming up too, bro. Uh, we haven't even begun to peak, so yeah, we haven't even begun to peak. They're peaking, but we haven't yet. <laughs> Correct. Correct. But uh, <laughs> you know, this is a big time. This is a big time shot right here, and this is time for one of these guys to establish themselves. And like, like I said, they're finally fighting each other. Uh, at the time, you know, we didn't know what campus was capable of, and we, you know, there's still question marks, right? Like we were talking in the preview. We're talking to the green room, Josh, about the the fact that there was uh, some factors going into that uh, Tofimo fight, and now in the Haney fight, uh, well, from what we know right now, there is no you know lingering factors that could affect the match, right? We hope there won't be, right? Yeah. And uh, let's see it, man. Let's see. Let's see who dares to be great that night. I, I think we have uh, two very talented guys here. I remember that uh, when we were talking about the, the, the if we had to rank these young guys in, in the order of uh, you know who will probably have the was probably the best. I remember Haney was one of the guys in the back, not not too far back, but he was ahead of Ryan. I think we had Ryan. Uh, a lot of people had Ryan dead last. I had him, uh, and it's not by any. It was just because Ryan had a lot to prove still, and I thought Haney had already proven himself more before Haney had captured a title. I think. And uh, now he's captured a title. He, he, he's putting himself in these conversations to to be one of the the better guys in, out of these uh, young lightweights. And uh, but but I still have a lot of questions, man. I, I think he's good. I think he. But he, he and that Lenar's fat. I remember he had this moment of uh, he. I don't know if he got. I think he got tagged. He got a little. You know, he got worried, and he had to start. He had to start uh, boxing different. He had to start a. And he did be, he started, he started had to clinch more, you know, clinch him, clinch him, you know, punch and clinch, punch and clinch, which, you know, not, not really what you want to see, but, you know, it, it was effective. It, it got him through it, but, 
I'm curious to see what he does against here against uh, another talented guy like himself. And, and nothing to take away from the Norris. Norris is also a very talented individual. But I mean, you know, it's another it's a champ on champ fight, man. Uh, you know, I picked against Cambosos last time, Josh. I'm not going to pick against him this time. I'm not going to doubt the Australian another time. Australia, New Zealand or Australia? I forget. Uh, I believe Australia. I believe he's Australian. I'm not going to doubt the Australian, you know, again. I'm not going to doubt the Aussies, so let's get it. Let's see it, champ. Let's see if you could uh, dare to be great and, uh, you know, beat this young lion. Yep, it's time. We're going to see it, dude. I am very psyched for this fight. As of now, um, betting odds essentially dead even. Um, I've seen some sites where Haney is a very slight favorite, and I've seen some where, um, you know, Cambosa is a slight favorite. Granted, it's I will big, say that, uh, is, that is the, mini- the minority, you know. Okay. I was, I was going to say, this is a big uh, prove-themselves fight for both of them. Yeah, correct. They both kind of need this fight. And granted, I don't really think that, um, you know, Kimbosa is a guy that because of all the drama involving that T.O. fight, essentially T.O., like his wife left him and, you know, I mean, he was going through a lot of shit, man. He he, really, he nearly died in that one, which I kind of think it's kind of crazy that kind of went under the radar. I don't even think we talked about it, but he, he was essentially near death. Uh, I think I, you might have talked a very little about the podcast. I know we talked about it privately, definitely for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he nearly died. Essentially, if he got hit in the right place, he, he would have died. Essentially, he had like a very long, a uh, very low, like what was it, one capacity? I think had to do with it. Um, anyways, yeah, it, it was an insane story, and there was a lot going into that. And I feel this is kind of his his time to kind of prove that like it was not a fluke. And I'm not saying the win was a fluke. It was a fight of a year contender, but there was so much drama coming out of that that now is a chance for him to kind of put any sort of naysayers, any sort of doubters that, if there are any, to sleep. He's taking on this young line who's undefeated, really not even challenged. I understand that he got rocked by Lenars, but even then that was a pretty clear win for him, you know? Um, it, it was it was leaning that way, but, you, you know, still, it was, it, was a, it was a moment. You know? It was a moment more so than a, you know, it was a moment of adversity, but it was still a clear win. That's the closest sort of adversity we've seen him face. Um, you know, I did pick against uh, against Kimbosis, and I'm going to do it again. I think oh, Devin shit. Haney. I think Devin Haney. I said for a long time he may not be the most entertaining. A lot of people give him shit because he's like not the most entertaining guy, which I suppose is fair when he's at the top level. And you know, he's kind of having more difficulties with his guys, but he's still clearly beating him. He's not taking as many risks. I don't give a shit about risk factor. I think he's going to go out there and beat him. I think he's going to out- outpoint him. I'm going to take Devin Haney via decision. I think he's going to take away those belts on Cambosis' home soil. I think he will. So I think he's getting, like I said, I mean, I don't remember how we rated, I know we rated him on the show like like years ago. We talked about all those young lines. I think I'm, I don't know if I had him near the top. I know I had him like near the top, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe not the close, maybe not number one, you know what I mean? I thought, I've been hiding for a long time. I thought we, I, I'm pretty sure we had the same list at the time, but granted, a lot has changed since A lot then. has changed. That was before the Luke Campbell fight for Ryan. Tank had already been a champ, and it was before these last three or four fights he's had where he's knocked these dudes the fuck out. So before Haney had a title. Yeah. Did it, uh, and uh, I, I can't believe, there might have been a fourth guy in there, too. Uh, Teofimo in there. We had him in the mix. That's when he was calling for that, uh, uh, what's it called, that fight against uh, Lomachenko. He hadn't even fought Lomachenko at that point. So... Mm-hmm. Or maybe he did, I don't know, but it was it was during that time, man, and like I said, a lot has changed. I think we had Teofimo and Tank near the top, and then we had Ryan and Haney in the back. Yeah. And like I said, this is before Cambosis was kind of in the mix for that. I mean, Cambosis is 30, I he's, he's definitely not in the... He's, he's got five years on all these guys, I'm pretty sure. Hey, he's, he's 28. 
Oh, still, never mind. still in his twenties. Oh, never mind. So. For some reason, I thought Campos was thirty. Yeah. He he's he's deceptively young. Yeah, he's, um, he's, he, but he's you know he's still he, no he's in the same age bracket to an extent. But those yeah. guys are young, dude. We're talking like twenty five and under, right? For all of them, twenty four and under for all of them, twenty three. Yeah, and under? roughly. Yeah, like it's they're all yeah. I, think, I believe twenty four and under for all of them. Yeah. Um. Anyways, man, this is this is a hell of a fight. I'm super psyched for it. I think Devin Hayes can do it, man. I think at the age of 23, I think he's going to be an undisputed lightweight champion. And uh, we'll see what happens from there, man. I mean, I do think the fact that it's happening on Cambosis' home soil a little bit frightening to me personally, given uh, oh, 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 that, I, that I picked him via decision. But I'm still I'm I'm still going to go for it, man. I'm still I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to go ahead and stay with my pick. Um, man, I'm psyched for it though. Angel, we're not going to give our pick for this, but it's not the only boxing this week. Uh, well, technically, it's the only boxing this week, but next week we won't have time to talk about it because it'll be happening before we film. But uh, in a way, Donaire two going down in Japan on Tuesday. First one was a banger, so the second one should be right. We hope, right? Oh man, what, our, I mean, one of my favorite fights of all time—just twelve rounds of absolute chaos. So. You know, you know, you know how they say in MMA, like the second fight something is not the best. I think it's actually it's quite the opposite in boxing. For the most part, it usually it lives up to the second one, right? For the most part, I'd say, right. Yeah, because a lot of the time, those guys tend to, like, a lot of boxers really take their time to feel, because, I mean, there's more time in boxing. A lot of guys will take a couple, more than a couple rounds to feel the guy out. I mean, Floyd will, for, Floyd, for example, will essentially say, fuck the first four rounds. Like, like that, that's a relatively, that's a normal attitude. In MMA, you really don't have that situation, and they'll go both to the wall from the first minute because there's not as much time. It's only three rounds or five rounds. Yeah. Uh, in boxing, I feel like they kind of fail, fail each other out, and I feel like the inverse kind of happens. Whereas in MMA, they kind of know what they're doing, so now they're, you know. And we've, we've talked about it in boxing, too, where it's like you, you're not conditioned to go all out 12 rounds. It's impossible. I, I genuinely believe that. Yeah. Like you, you could, it, you really have, it, it, in boxing, it's really, a, you got to pace yourself. No, for sure. And, yeah, but anyways, so, I mean, as far as, as far as moving on, man. So we did go ahead and touch on, you know, those, those couple of big boxing matches. We touched on, touched on the UFC. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot this week. And to go ahead and fill some more time, and I really enjoyed doing the, the, the kind of topics last week. Because we really don't talk about, like, news topics on this show. We really I've, don't. I've always wanted to more. Uh, I probably should have, uh, maybe I should ask for them more. But I'm happy we did. They were really fun. They were a good uh, change of pace. So I'm glad that we're doing them again. And I, I think we should do them more, Josh. Yeah, I no, we'll we'll definitely talk about that in the green room. Which I, by the way, love we talk, love that we call it the green room. But regardless, uh, yeah, because I enjoy doing them a lot, honestly. Um, but anyways, as far as news, last week, Angel, Nick Diaz, who we've really not heard from since his loss to Robbie Lawler last September. Um. We haven't heard a lot, a whole lot from him. You know, Caesar Gracie, his coach, said that he's going to come out and fight again this year, which I didn't have necessarily a big problem with, but a lot of people hated it. Love that, like, hated the idea of him fighting again. Not only do you say he wants to come back, he wants to go straight to the top. He wants to fight UFC welterweight champion Kamaru Usman. Hold, don't, no, hold your laughter. Hold your laughter. I heard that. I heard that snicker. Um... He said he wants to come back. He said that like he's, he's 38 now. There's no point in him really fighting any of these young lions. If he's coming back, he wants to fight a big name and a big either a big name or a champion. And there's no bigger name and no bigger champion than Kamaru Usman, and that's what he wants to do. And believe it or not, there were some people who came to his defense. You know, your boy, Big John McCarthy, 
essentially stated, like, you know what, I'd, I'd be cool with it. I'd watch that fight. Nick would, he even said that Nick would tune him up on the feet. So, um, and that Kamara would have to take him to the ground. So interesting take there, which was then promptly torn apart by about most of the MMA community. Uh, but Angel, give me your take on Nick Diaz coming back and not only coming back, but the fight to come, fight Kamaru Usman next. I don't, I don't think that fight makes a whole lot of sense, Josh. I, I think, I think Nick should be fighting Jorge Masvidal. Ooh. Well, shit. Now that, now you're saying, Angel, did you not read the topic list? You're segueing into our other topic. <laughs> because essentially, what I was going to ask you after we talked about this was Jorge Masvidal and Cabrera going back and forth. Should that be the fight next? Well, the fight should be, the fight, the main card should be, and the main event should be Connor versus Nate too. Nick versus, Nick versus Jorge getting benches for his brother. Yeah, so I'm assuming we're, I, let's, I, I'm glad for we're the not the PMF title. I'm glad that we're not even discussing the Kamaru Eastman stuff, honestly, because I'd, what, what did, what did Dana say? What did, whenever, remember whenever Connor leaked those DMs? About Dana, and I, and Connor asked for a fight against somebody, and Dana said, like, we should lose a promoter's license if we make that fight. That's what should happen if they put Nick Diaz with Kamaru Usman. They should lose their promoter's license. That'd be a homicide. And I think Kamaru Usman could legitimately beat both Diaz brothers on the same night. I'm being dead serious. Um, <laughs> and I, I love the Diaz bros. You guys know that. I love Nick, and I love Nate, but. You don't think they could stop to slap their way to victory? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't at all. I think he'd need like maybe a round to beat Nick, maybe two at most. And that's if Nick is in absolute his best shape. He probably won't be. And then, if, and then he probably takes a couple rounds, maybe two or three to put away Nate. But that's essentially it. Um, although who knows? But regardless, Nick Diaz versus Kamaru, we don't want to see it. I do like the idea of Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. I like that a lot. I said for a long time that should yeah. be fun. We were down for that when he was making his return, which good thing he didn't make his return to that fight. <laughs> I didn't. I gotta be honest with you. I didn't think he looked bad against Lawler. I really didn't. I did no, not. Think no, 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 no. It wasn't bad. It was a banger for the first however many seconds, you know, minutes it was. I mean, it lasted about three rounds. You know, I think I, I've always said, you know, Nick was getting tired and he he clearly didn't want to be there. I think if that was a three round fight instead of a five rounds. I think he probably stays in there and he might even win because he won round one. Round two is competitive and round three he got hit. A huge shot, and you know what? He's like, I, I'm tired. I'm hurt. Fuck this. Like, and, you know, it is what it is. He's 38. He, can, he has his right to do that. But, anyways, um, yeah, man, I think Nick Nick versus Jorge makes a lot of sense. I think and Jorge at this point, I think he needs to take a step back, and I think Jorge knows he needs to take a step back. You know what I mean? And I think that that fight makes a lot of sense. Nick called him out after you know Jorge beat his brother, and that was all the way back in like February 2020. Like, he called them out so long ago. They didn't really show any interest in making it, which is funny because they were actually nearly fought back in UC 235 in 2019. Dana said that was a fight that they nearly did, you know? Um, but anyways, so as it stands, I think, I think Nick's going to come back. He needs to fight a big draw. I think there's a couple of fights that make sense for him, and I can honestly name them all on, on my hand. I think um, Masvidal makes sense. I think Connor makes sense at 170. I, I I'm a little bit surprised because he hasn't ever showed interest in that. Because Connor, whenever he fought Nate, I mean he was beefing with Nick at the same time. Because that was whenever Nick was like he was active, but he was on suspension. You know, he nearly fought Nick at that press conference where he where he punched Nate's hand. Do you remember that shit, Angel? <laughs> like yes. they they had beef. You know, like if they can if they want to throw that shit together, if Nate doesn't want to fight Connor, you know damn well Nick would fight him. 
Nick will fight anybody. That's kind of his point. Uh, that he wants to fight Kamaru. He's like, I'll fight. Like he, even in, like the, the context in that Team Z interview, he's like, I'll fight these young guys, but I don't see a point. You know? Um, but anyways, man, uh, I think Nick versus Connor makes sense. Nick versus Mazel don't make Nick. But you know what you're sense. actually gonna get, Josh? You're gonna get main Ooh, event, yeah. Kamaru Usman versus Nick, co-main, Cosmot versus Nate. That's what you're gonna fucking get in reality, Josh. We're gonna see two homicides in one night. Two of them. <laughs> That's really. And there's gonna be a Diaz, bros, killing. No, no, anyways. So <laughs> they're gonna stalk and slap him. They're gonna put him to sleep. It's it's 2004 all over again, baby. Nick's coming. Nick's coming for that WBC title, anyways. Um, WBC never die. WBC never die, brother. Anyways, so uh, yeah, I think I think Nick versus um Mazel makes sense. Nick versus McGregor makes sense. Nick versus. Uh, Saroni, Miller, Lozon, some of those older dudes, I'd watch that. But I think fighting any sort of top 15 guy at, at this point in time makes no sense. Like, Nick versus Lawler was a lot of fun. I can't, I thought people shit on that way too much, way, way, way too much. I mean, Nick had a lot of success in that fight, you know, and especially considering like all the stuff that's going around him at the time, I'm like, I think it was a bad fight. I think it just had a kind of a sad ending, you know, just like, damn. But you know, it, like we said, he he has the you know he had the right to do what he did. No, he absolutely did, and I really he he had, he had his right, and I think he kind of knew that he was outgunned and he was tired and you know, hurt. I'm pretty sure he hurt like his leg or his knee at one point. If I remember correctly, like whenever he got hit with that big right hook on the way down, his knee kind of buckled, so he was going through a lot of shit, you know, and he broke his nose at one point. So if Nick was to come back and fight an older veteran, I'm cool with it. I don't really want to see him fight Kamaru Usman. Um, and I'm assuming we're just going to go ahead and segue past Conrad or Jorge Masvidal because we kind of, we kind of, I kind of said that it was like next up on the thing, but they have been going back and forth on Twitter. A lot of people say that's the fight to make next, and I disagree. And um, why would you do that, Josh, when you can do Michael Chandler versus Conor McGregor? I don't even think that's the fight. I think they got to give Conor a tune-up. And I'm not entirely sure who that tune-up should be. Maybe that tune-up should be Nick, dude. I don't know. Because yeah. I think it, it, that'd still be a hard fight. For, I mean, not to say like Connor's gonna get like beat it, but I think that's still a very competitive fight for Connor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see it being, especially considering Nick is Nick is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but Nick wants to fight at one seventy. Connor wants to fight at one seventy, so it kind of makes sense. And you know, Nick is he's zero and three and one technically in his last four fights and. Connor's oh like one and three in his last four fights. It makes sense. Um you know, especially if Connor wants to if Connor wants to fight at one seventy. Nick wants to, I think it makes a lot of sense. Essentially because like Nate's saying, fuck you, I'm not gonna because he Nate Nate Diaz is not a dumb guy. You know, we haven't really talked about his whole situation with the UC. They want to keep him around to fight Connor in the trilogy. Nate's not dumb. He knows that's why, and he thinks it's bullshit, so he's probably he doesn't want to fight Connor. I'm not sure if that's just posturing or if he actually is going to refuse to fight him, you know. Um, if that's the case, you might as well – dude, just a simple swap would be Nick for Nate. In the story, is essentially the same. I understand that, like, they don't have that same history inside the octagon, but it's it's Nate's brother, you know what I mean? And so, anyways, um, yeah, dude, I don't want to see Conor versus Mazel next. I think both those guys need to tune out, dude. I think the UFC is so – like – they, they love to throw these guys just to the wolves. And I think at this point in time, they can build the McGregor-Masvidal fight. McGregor-Masvidal with the BMF title on the line, Angel, put that shit in, like, 
Dude, fuck it, dude. They got, if they're gonna do that fight, they gotta build that shit huge. Cause Masvidal, whether you hate him or like him, he's still probably the second biggest draw in this sport. That's just the reality. McGregor's far and away number one. Masvidal's probably number two. You get, you let those guys get a couple wins in, maybe one, two wins, give them some tune-ups. Put that shit in Jerry World, dog. Put that shit in, in Cowboy Stadium, dude. The UC's never done a stadium show. I think that's what they need to do, dude. Um, that's just my opinion, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking large. UC tends to like to kind of, Get the get the money fights now, so we might see that fight next. But I mean, I mean do you have any thoughts on this? Do you think that they should try and build a Muslim McGregor fight, or do you have any interest in that whatsoever? I mean, I think it'd be fun. Still, I I think I don't know. I think they need to think big if they're gonna do that because I feel like they need to be realistic. They gotta be like you know, Connor doesn't have like like it might seem like Connor has a lot of time to support, but it really isn't, you know, in reality, you know what I mean? I believe he's 30, 33, right? So, yeah, he's kind of getting up there. Yeah, and Masvidal is pretty much near the end himself, you know, he's a fucking damn near 40 now, right? <sighs> Shit, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta think about that and take advantage of these guys, and, uh, and plus that day, they wanna get paid too, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, let them get paid. Let them get their payday. Or like someone said, dude, stack the, like, get these three, get these four guys, these four big guys on, on a fucking pay-per-view, and then and just fill out your card with 12 and 12s so you just can get the fucking bag. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, man, I, at this point in time, I really don't think this fight makes a whole lot of sense. But I guess that's, I guess that's just me. Um, we'll see what happens, though. I, I the USC is pretty clearly trying to angle for McGregor DS3, so I really I think it's kind of kind of like a mute point. Um, but anyway, let's see what happens. I really don't know what's next for Mazzaro though. With McGregor, there's a, there's a pretty clear path. The USC knows the path they want to do. It's clear to every single person, but um, we'll see what happens, man. Um, as far as we have a couple of fight announcements to go over, though, we're talking about fights. We're talking about fight announcements now. Patty the Batty Pimblet is set to return to UC London, I believe, in July. He's taking on our boy. The Monkey King, Jordan Levitt. This fight is, I, I love this shit, dog. I love this fight a whole lot, dude. I'm gonna be straight up, I love this fight. And for a multitude of reasons, um, honestly, I saw Jordan Levitt even said, like, I'm kind of offended that he took this fight because he said he wants to fight easy guys, I'm not that guy. Like, it's the most fun, like, Jordan Levitt is not a fired up guy, but, He's fired up, dog. Like, like he, he's, he's excited about this one. I'm excited about this one, too. Give me your thoughts, thoughts on this matchup. Is this the right matchup for Patty and Batty at this point in his career? Yeah, no, it's it's a fun fight. I think they're, it's, it's a, let it's a good guy, dude. You know, the record isn't as big as Pimlet's not. And uh, Levitt's Levitt, a, a crafty little dude. You know, I, I, I like him. I like his, his side and his personality. You know, I think he's a fun dude. And I think as far as a, both these guys, they they kind of they knew what they were doing here, but the, they're gonna have you know their little fun antics. Nothing too crazy. I mean, Levitt's not a shit talker by any means, and Patty really, I mean, he really isn't a shit talker, but he can if he really wants to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think, but uh, I think if we're, I think the matchup is fun. I think it's gonna be competitive. Uh, I think there's a, you know, the they, they they did a really good job on this one. Uh, to keep it simply. Hmm. Yeah, I believe so as well. Um, I like this fight a lot. I know that some people are looking for, you know, for, for Patty to fight somebody higher ranked, and I honestly think this fight makes as much sense as you're going to get because Jordan Levitt is kind of on the outside of the top 15, 
And, you know, he wins here. Whoever wins here, probably in that top 15, honestly, they're in the mix. Um, or maybe not, maybe not in the top 15, but getting, getting closer, inching closer, because, you know, a lot of it's a fucking brutal division. So we'll say, I don't, I don't think they'll be in the top 15. But regardless, I like this fight a lot. I like this fight a whole lot. Um, if Patty the Valley thinks he's going to get an easy, an easy one with Jordan Levitt, I understand that he's a meme because he like twerks and some people think he's like, you know, a little bit fruity. I don't, I don't really care about that. That dude is a dog in the cage. So I don't really care. Um, yeah, man, I like this fight a lot. And we'll see what happens with it, honestly. And obviously, it's going to be one of those top fights on UC London a couple months from now. So we'll give our predictions then. But man, I I don't want to I don't want to give my you know I don't want to foreshadow anything, take take anything away from the show. But Jordan Lane might be able to pull off an upset there, dog. Very excited for that fight. Um, another fight announcement which we got here. So in July, UC Long Island, there was a lot of speculation about this card. Uh, Notably, Dana White and UC said that they want this card to be Colby Covington versus Hamza Chimaev. They wanted it bad. For what Dana even, oh, Hamza Chimaev versus Colby Covington. For what event? Uh, UC Long Island in July. This is the one that Dana said that they want to have it on ABC and they want to have those two guys because they're huge stars and Dana, Dana wanted it bad. You know, he said that before, you know, um, Covington's last fight, you know. And not Covington's last fight, excuse me. Chemaya's last fight. We're not getting it, Angel. We're not getting that fight. It's not going to happen. Instead, we're going to be having Brian Ortega or Ziyari Rodriguez, which is an interesting fight. Very excited for it, but it all but confirms that Covington versus Chemaya is dead in the water. So, Angel, give me your thoughts. On that, this fight, and also give me your that, thoughts Josh, on the fact that Shemaya versus Covington is, is, is dead, essentially. No, Josh. That, or Covington versus Shemaya, is actually going to happen in Abu Dhabi at UFC 281, I believe. That's what it's going to be, right? Mm. That's what it really means, Josh. What do you mean? I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I suppose that's possible, but it really doesn't make much sense uh, for for that fight to honestly happen. I mean, especially for, like, an interim title, you know what I mean? Doesn't I make a whole know. lot of sense. I'm down for it. Or maybe that's what they're trying to figure out. I'll watch it for sure, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of, it like, being, I don't know, it really happening much in any capacity. I mean, I, I didn't, didn't think the fight made much sense at the time, and now with an interim title, it makes even less sense, but... I don't know. They might be in talks with Leon at this point. Maybe they're trying to convince Leon to do it, to do an interim title with Leon and Chimaev. Yeah, I honestly think that they should do that fight. I think that one, especially considering Kamaru still has not trained yet, he's still not even cleared. And if this were any other fighter, they'd probably already make an interim. In fact, I feel pretty confident saying if there's any other fighter, they've already made an interim because they're already making an interim for Port Davis and Figueroa. So, um, anyways, man, yeah. We'll see what happens there. As far as this fight between uh, Yair and Brian, I like this shit a lot, dude. I feel like the featherweight division is constantly stuck in the mud, and I'm, I'm not really sure why that is. A lot of the guys just aren't very active in that top five, top ten. Um, but, dude, I'm glad they're putting this one on. Very excited for it, and we'll see what happens. Um, but I, it's, I feel like people are kind of missing the fact that this essentially just means, like, oh, yeah, Covington to Jemaya, that's essentially off the table, at least for what they wanted. Um, but we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens in regards to this fight. I'm very, very excited for it. But kind of our last bit of, of news, tough. 
The Ultimate Fighter has been going on. How many weeks are we into this? Like five? Six? Nobody's talking about it. I think we're going on week five or six, something like that. Nobody watches it. It's kind of a, a bit of a damn shame to me personally because I honestly think that this season is a lot of fun. We talked about last season as well, and nobody really talked about tough anymore, which I think is a shame. Um, which I, I understand why, because, you know, the contender series is around, and less and less people kind of t- care about tough, and I feel like the UC even kind of less and less cares about tough because they've really done very little advertising for it. But nonetheless, we're a couple of weeks in. We're going to go ahead and talk about it, kind of give our picks on who may potentially go all the way. I know, like, last... Um, Last season, we essentially, from week one, we gave predictions, and I believe, like, we didn't we didn't necessarily win, but we did pretty damn good, dude, like, we, <laughs> with our predictions. So, uh, go ahead and give me your thoughts on the season so far to this point. Obviously, it's heavyweights and women's flyweights, and Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena are coaching. So, go ahead and give me your thoughts. I think it's been a fun season. I uh, We talked about it off air, how uh, uh, Amanda has been kind of like, uh, we've seen how good of a coach Juliana has been, and Amanda's kind of been... I don't know. I don't want to call her bad, but you know, I haven't hasn't been too great for her. You know, I don't think she's done anything crazy on the coaching end. But at the same time, I I brought up how that could be like a language barrier thing too. Yeah. Is it like Amanda has bad English? No, and I definitely think that sometimes you know people are a bit hesitant to. Uh... There, there are some. I mean, I'm trying to be careful with this because I think in, I think Nunez has the capacity to be a great coach, and I don't necessarily hate her for her coaching, but she has been a bit quiet. And you can tell that Juliana Pena, you can kind of tell that she came up through tough. Like she is putting her all into this shit. I don't know if she's gonna want to be a coach after you know she retires um, from like actually competing. But dude, she is like putting a lot of like work into this shit, and I think she's been a great coach, dude. And I understand a lot of people may not like Juliana Pena, maybe because of like a trash talk, or I don't know. I feel like she's not exactly super beloved by the MMA community. I feel like they kind of just a on her. This season's like damn near entirely turned me around on her, straight up. She's put in a lot of work into this, and I gotta give her full props, dude. And I, I think maybe it's be, I don't necessarily think Nina's you know, done a bad job. I think it's because Juliana has done such a great job that she's kind of getting and Nunes is kind of getting overshadowed. Is that such? Maybe that's just my view. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it. I think. I think you could be right there to an extent. Uh, I mean, there is no head female coach at any gym, right? That we know of. That's big time. Not. I mean, none of these female coaches, but not any head coaches. I believe. Not that yeah. I can think of. I mean, I'm sure they exist. Oh, I mean, there's probably some out there, maybe in a different country that we don't know of, but. I mean, talking, we're talking like big time gym, big time fighters. Like, can't think of any hit. I mean, I could see Juliana be in any fighters' corner because I mean, dude, she is. I mean, Josh, I think I'm listening to a fucking seasoned veteran when I'm in there, Josh. When he comes back to the corner and she's giving her fighters adjustments and inspiring them and talking from the sidelines, like out of all, like I've seen, you know, I haven't seen a lot of tough seasons, but I've seen a lot of, you know, like the highlighted like stuff on YouTube, dude. She is probably one of the most active, outspoken ones I've seen out of all the fighters ever. Mm. I mean, she's really fucking good. Yeah, for sure. She's really good. And I've seen a lot of coaches. I've watched not every season of stuff, but I essentially watched the last... Shit, if I have to pull up this... Let me pull it up, actually, out of curiosity. Um, Because I've watched essentially every season, like the last probably everything from... 
2015 onward, I'd say, um, which was McGregor, Faber, that season. Even I went back and watched some of them, like Rousey Tate, John Jones, Chelsea. I watched some of the bigger seasons. Went back and watched them, like, years later. Uh, she's up there, dude. Like, she, she's a great coach because you can tell she gives a shit. There are a lot of coaches who just do not care. Um, and I think that's probably the worst thing, and I, I don't want to shit on Brian Ortega. You can kind of tell, like, Alexander Volkanovsky, I thought was a pretty great, pretty great coach. He essentially said, like, oh, yeah, like, Ortega didn't care. And some people took that as, like, a slight against Ortega, but the reality is a lot of them don't care. Um, or maybe they don't care as much. Julian Adepena is treating these fighters like they're her kids. Like, she, like, she is. You're not even wrong, dude. She is, She's, she's honestly, she's great, dude. Like, I, I became a straight up fan of Juliana Pena through this show. So, um, yeah, man, she's done a tremendous job. As far as the fighters, though, so we're not going to give predictions, but who do you think, like, of the fights so far and looking at who's on the season, who do you think has a chance to go all the way? Who are you most impressed with thus far? Uh, impressed with, like, have we actually seen a fight, or did I looked into, to... Uh, looked into, or even seen fight to this point? Uh, I mean, I could give you, man, okay, so, the guy who hasn't fought Chandler Cole, I think, uh, I mean, you haven't seen the newest episode, but something, uh, he has some stuff going on that he's gonna have to figure out, I, I don't, so, but I, actually, no, he is gonna fight, never mind, it doesn't matter, thing is, I think he has a lot of potential going the way. Obviously, um, Muhammad Usman, he's one of the guys that I think number one going into this probably had like a lot of, uh, potential to, um, I think the main guys from here, Chandler Cole and, and Mo Usman on the heavyweight end. Uh, but we haven't seen anything, like I said, Josh, we haven't seen anything about this Jordan Heiderman kid on the season. He's kind of been like the under, under the radar guy. Uh, I said for the females, uh, dude, I liked, Laura Gallardo, who came in on short notice, dude, I liked her style a lot. Uh, she was the last episode you saw, right? Yeah. Yeah, you saw her. I thought she has a lot of potential. Same with the girl in the first episode, Kayla and Neil. I really liked her, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other end, uh, from the other girls, we haven't gotten to see them, but uh, I know Juliana Miller, she has a lot of fights under her belt. I think she had a lot of amateur fights. She only has, like, two or three pro fights. Uh, she's fighting uh, next week. Uh, spoiler alert, Josh. That's she, She's the next fight. Damn. Uh, spoiler. And uh, there's uh, there's some other fighters that uh, that, I, that I haven't gotten to look into. I know Hannah Guy's on this season. She fought Valerie Lareda. She beat her, you know, in Bellator. Yeah. But even then, that, I mean, that was a – I mean, I, I remember Valerie gave her a damn good fight, though, anyway. So she, like, toughed out. She, like, survived that submission. And that fucked up her arm for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's some other good gals in here that that I haven't gotten to fully see, we haven't gotten to see, and I've looked kind of into them. But if I had to give you like a little bit of a rough rundown of, of guys I've looked into and stuff I've seen, stuff I liked, stuff I didn't like, those are kind of like my my main people that I kind of want to highlight. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, man, I, I there's a couple of people that I'm personally big fans of. Caitlin Neal. I thought she looked good. Laura Gallardo, who we saw her last time out, or like last, I saw her last time out. There's technically been an episode come out since then, but, um, I, I know a fair bit of the female fighters on the season just because they fought in Invicta. Brogan Walker Sanchez is somebody who's very, very good. Um, she's the one who's supposed to be fighting Hannah Guy. She was drafted third overall, I believe, second or third. 
Um, and she, she's 33, so she doesn't have a whole lot of potential to, like, maybe, she's not young, so she doesn't have that going for her, but she still has a lot of skill. She holds the Winterburn Man and Maverick. She had a close fight with Pearl Gonzalez, and she did have a, a nice fight with Aaron Blanchfield as well. Um, so yeah, man, she, she's pretty, pretty damn good. Um, also, our boy Muhammad Usman, who had, like, a pretty big target on his back going into the season. I think he has, the potential, especially given heavyweight, you know, I believe he's 30-something, like 32. So uh, most people kind of look at that and be like, oh, you know, maybe he's too late for him. But heavyweight's a division where you can kind of be older and be fine. And I think he's pretty damn good. He's just – he lacks – maybe it's like the mental ability. Like he just – he doesn't really throw that much. But whenever he does, it's got fucking consequences. You know what I mean? He's got skill. He's got to figure out some things. And I think maybe being with Juliana will help him figure that out. Um, but, yeah, man. Um, there's a couple other people on the season. You know, maybe not the best fighter by any means, but dude, we gotta give our props. Bobby Maximus, gotta be, uh, like, he's, he's already turned out to be one of my favorites. Just gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, Bobby Maximus is a guy who used to fight under a different name. I'm not sure if this is a nickname or, um, whatever it may be, but, uh, his, his actual name, his legal name is Rob McDonald. He fought in the UFC. He was on Tough 2. Ultimate Fighter Season 2. Most people don't even remember this because he wasn't exactly, like, a, a huge deal. Um, he I, he might have even been the last picked in the um, back of Tough 2. Uh, actually, yeah, I looked it up right now. He was the seventh pick on the second season, and that was 17 years ago, Angel. So he he's not fought since 2009. And uh, you can just tell, like, I watched his interview, like, months ago, and they had all these these tough guys do press. He's a great dude. Like, he, I love his mentality. And, uh, yeah, man, very, very excited to see what he does. I hope they give him a shot after the season, you know what I mean? Like, most of these people from Tough, they'll give him, like, a one-off fight, you know what I mean, to, to see what they can do. We'll see what happens with him. But, yeah, man, that's essentially all we had in the lineup. And as far as Tough goes, is there anything else we can talk about in this uh, this season before we no, move man. on to the next? I'm always excited. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the direction the season's going. I'm curious to see what happens here because there's a lot of uh, – a lot of uh, uh, newness team winners right now, dude, uh, especially on the heavyweight end. I mean, there's uh, only one more heavyweight fight for left, and it could be an all newness heavyweight uh, bout, you know? Yeah. Going into the finals. It's, uh, it's, always a little, it's always a little rough, you know, when two guys from the same team have to fight, man, but that's always a possibility. And obviously you want to see your team succeed, and, you know, who, you know, you would always, you know, if you're going to fight, uh, you, know, you, you know, if someone's going to beat you, you know, you wanted to be someone that, you know, at least you, uh, you know, was on your side, you know, the whole time, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's unfortunate two people from the same team have to fight, but we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, one quick thing that I forgot to mention. Is it just me, or is it kind of weird that Forrest Griffin's essentially taking on the Dana White role for this season? Uh, he's, he did it, he was in the mix last season, too. Yeah, know? but, like, not in the same, he's essentially there for, he's essentially doing everything. <laughs> everything that Dana would normally, Dana's there, I think he shows up for the fights, right? But he hasn't really done, outside, yeah. he hasn't done anything outside of that. I mean, the season's already concluded, I mean, it's already done, so. But yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure Dana, true. Dana's true. just been there for the fights, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, true. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's a little bit funny. And I love Forrest Griffin. I'm glad the Forrest is there. I think he's a guy that, uh, he's a great, like, MMA, like, uh, personality guy. You know what I mean? Like, we really don't think about it too much because, like, he's not, he doesn't have, like, a podcast. Or he doesn't have anything. He's kind of, like, kind of a, not really a secluded guy, but he doesn't really do much. He just kind of works as a PI and does his shit. But I'm glad to see Forrest, dude. Like, I really am. Um, he's a funny guy. So, yeah, and him talking about his, his, like, when they first had episode one, he was kind of telling, like, his experience on Tough and, he used to be a police officer, and then he just said, like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm, it's better to regret the things in life that you do do than the things you don't. I'm like, you know what? That's kind of cool. I didn't know he was a cop. Yeah, yeah. He talked about it. He talked about it before. He was a cop, and he was like a uh, – he was an MMA fighter on the side, and he got the call. Like, they were doing tough, and they didn't actually – there wasn't, like, a whole – this was MMA back in, like, 2004, so it wasn't, like, a groundswell of talent, and he got a call from, like, either his manager or somebody who worked with you. He was like, hey, you want to do this? He's like, no, nah, I really don't want to – not really – I got, I got, you know, got a full-time job. Can't take all the time for that. He's, you know, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. He quit his job, decided to go for the jump, and now he's like a Hall of Famer, former champion, and you know, now he's there. So it's pretty awesome. But uh, Angel, this is the last topic of the day. This is actually not the rundown, but I saw this right now, and I think it's kind of funny. So we're gonna talk about it. Uh, so we talked about Jake Paul last week. Who can fight next? Angel, there's a there's a new name that has emerged in the mix. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Let me know. Uh, Eric Butterbean Esh. You know Butterbean? Yes. Said he wants to do it. Said he's lost a lot of weight, and he's gonna be ready next year. Give him, give him a year, Angel. He said he's ready. He's how fucking much, ready. How much weight are we talking? Does Butterbean have an Instagram or any form of social media? Oh, he has a TikTok. No fucking surprise. That's hilarious. 77 wins, 10 losses, 4 draws. He's coming for number 78, Angel. I see Butterbean, yes. He's lost a lot of weight. For Butterbean. Right? Apparently, he's working with a former wrestler, Diamond Dallas Page. DDP Yoga is apparently a super big thing. He's helped a lot of guys, a former pro wrestler. He's now he's helping Butterbean lose weight and uh, say he's going to be good. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on this. It's kind of funny, but, uh, Angel, let me. Actually, this is really not much of a topic because this, this would be sad to watch now. But, Angel, you take Butterbean from 1998. Do you think it beats Jake Paul now? Oh, my God. Yeah. Probably, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, I think Butterbean is the is the greatest um, mix of talent, but also like being a freak show because he walked around like 400 pounds, but also the dude dropped Larry Holmes. So like he's like he he. I mean, if you look at his record, most of those guys don't have Wikipedia pages, but also like you know he beat a lot of guys. He beat some he beat some decent names. You know, yeah. knocked out Louis Monaco. Yeah, I mean, super heavyweight's never really been, you know, like, is super heavyweight even really ever been a real division, too, you know? Not really, but he's technically a former, he's like an IBA super heavyweight champion. Really, most, most, uh, sanctioning bodies just have them fight at heavyweight. They put no, like, weight class, like, cap on it. But, you know, shit, I don't know. Um, all I'm saying, man, he, he 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 dropped Larry Holmes, so shit. I mean, he, like, dude, dude was good. So I mean, I'd I'd take Butterbean of 1998 to beat the fuck out of Jake Paul. That's just my opinion, though. But uh, nowadays, I don't want to see it. But yeah. So, but at least Butterbean's losing losing weight. It's good to have like a target thing for him. So, you know, what? I wouldn't mind seeing Butterbean come back for like an exhibition. You know what I mean? That'd be pretty cool. Who would you actually like, Who would you actually like to see Butterbean fight an exhibition? And that's like super off topic, but. I don't know because there's a lot of those guys who kind of um, I don't really know because a lot of those guys from that era don't really I mean shit 
It wouldn't. It wouldn't be Tyson. I don't want to see him. Do, I don't want to see him fight Holyfield. I don't want to see him fight, fight Lennox. I mean, I'm sure they can find somebody for him, but I can't think of any, anybody off the top of my head. Just based off of like the eras, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, shit, Anderson. So- no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Anderson Silva. So- <laughs> fucking Mike Tyson. No, Roy Jones. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure they can find somebody for him. Uh, better means a guy that like unlike a lot of those guys, he didn't have like a super publicized retirement. He kind of just like was fighting and then hung him up. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they'll find somebody for him. Uh, you know what? If he wants to have an exhibition, fuck it. I really don't care. I mean, a lot of those guys, a lot of those old guys are coming back for one last payday, and I'd be cool with it. Like you're telling me, like you wouldn't like I'd watch him if they if they if Triller stuck him on a card, and gave him a shit ton of money, like to fight some old washed up dude that I haven't heard of. Like I, I don't know. I'd be cool with it. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of it. That, that's it for our rundown of forwards and news. Is there anything else that you're looking to talk about? Because I think we hit everything. Uh, nothing, nothing necessarily off the top of my head, man. I think we hit everything pretty good. Uh, I mean, I'm just kind of excited to get back into the mix, you know, talk, you know, what is it called? A uh, recap and, you know, preview and everything. We'll be, you know, back in the mix of everything normally. Yeah. We'll be back in the mix and, you know, maybe we'll go ahead and continue with these, with these, uh, you know, MMA topics and stuff like that. But we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll talk about that in the green room, guys. Uh, as far as the show goes, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I'm at Josh Shevinoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore 01 at Courtside Sound. For all things related to the show, hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.